Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series, Don't Go to Church. In this series, we are peeling back what it means to be the church with a capital C, reaching out to and sharing the love of Jesus with our community. Rather than settling for being on the sidelines and not actively living out our faith, we're asking what it looks like to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. My name is Pastor Nick. I'm with the Ascend Outreach Center. I'm also with the Chesterfield Food Bank. And the partnership that we have with Transformation is just amazing. Our motel ministry meets here every Thursday. This past Thursday when they went out, uh, they had an individual who came to Christ. See, and that's it, because all of heaven is celebrating, so we need to as well. We have the uh, SOS, our Saturday Outreach Service, which y'all take over the first Saturday of every month. We're seeing people come to Christ, get baptized, go to rehab, get into counseling. We're seeing lives transform. Get it? Transformation, see? Yeah. Thank you. That was a shameless plug for your church. We also have a homeless ministry that's starting. We have shower vans that we're going to take to homeless communities where people who are in that community are able to take a hot shower, get a new outfit, a haircut, and they're able to hear about the love of Christ. We have distributions. We have eight distributions of food every month where we're serving 30 to 40,000 people groceries that would otherwise go without. And the amazing thing is, is transformation is a part of all of that. So can we give God some praise just right off the bat for what he's doing in our community? I'm honored to be preaching today. I love the sermon series, Don't Go to Church. Tell your neighbor, don't go to church. I could leave it there, but we're not going to. We're going to finish it off. Tell your neighbor, be the church. Amen. So don't go to church, be the church. I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to read a story about what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about the three outs of witnessing. I'm going to read through the story, and then I'm going to, I'm going to break it down with the three outs. Can we do that this morning? Does that sound good? Tell your neighbor, let's go. Let's go. We're coming out of John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria, he being Jesus. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is about noon our time. I'm glad that we don't talk like that anymore. Um, yeah, that, it just wouldn't work well for me. <laughs> there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said, she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go, call your husband and come here. 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and one of, uh, one of whom you, the one, so here we go, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, this you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in the mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I want to break this down because I want to talk about what it means to be the church and not just to go to church. Because we can sit in church every single Sunday and never truly be alive in Christ. So go ahead and check the pulse of the neighbor sitting next door. No, don't touch people. Because unfortunately, sometimes church becomes something we check off on a box. We go to church and think, well, I went to church, so I'm good to go. I've made my, I've, I've done my work. But going to church alone does not fulfill the commission that God has given us to go to nation to nation, baptize them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that he has commanded, and behold, he'll be with us until the end of the age. God has commissioned us to testify and to witness and to evangelize the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus, to all that would hear. Going to church alone does not fulfill it. Church edifies us that we may become stronger, more solid in our faith and our understanding of Scripture, that we're able to go out six other days of the week and spread the gospel of Christ to everyone we have the opportunity to do so. Because Jesus has given us a ministry of reconciliation to bring people back into the presence of God. But then we're left with the question, how do I do that? Have you ever felt unqualified or inadequate or not ready to share the gospel with somebody. Go ahead and raise your hand. This is a very common fear or a place of insecurity for Christians, and the enemy will capitalize on the weakness of our flesh that we would be prevented by that fear from sharing the gospel because the enemy knows that the gospel alone is what would destroy his hold on the person's life. How many of y'all have been set free from the enemy's hold? Y'all should be a little bit more excited about that. Like you were dead in your transgressions. Jesus breathed life back into you, and now you are alive through Jesus. Can we celebrate that just for a moment? Like when I was introduced to Christ, I was a I'm still a mess, but I was a, even more of a mess before I came to Christ. And he met me in my mess, loved me in my mess, and gave me life, even though I thought I was alive, but I was truly dead in my sin. And God loved me right where I was at. If that's you, you gotta be getting a little bit excited. Like, you remember where you were, even though you've come so far, amen? 
I think about it, like we say like, I may not be where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Amen. I'm definitely not always where I'm supposed to be, but I'm definitely not where I used to be. And it's not because I picked myself up and brushed myself off and got my life together because I didn't have the ability to do it. It's because Jesus met me in my death, in my mess, and loved me right there. And the amazing thing about the love of Christ is it's so powerful that it can love us in our mess, but when we receive it, it doesn't leave us in our mess. Amen? So I want to talk about what the three outs of witnessing are because we need to be equipped to hit the street and share the gospel of Jesus. And sometimes we don't always go about it in the right way. If your Bible has dents in it where you've been beating people with it, you're not doing it right. Amen? If your Bible has dust on it, you're not doing it right. You got to find that balance in between hitting someone with it and reading it, okay? So the three outs of witnessing that Jesus outlines beautifully in this story of him, uh, of, of him ministering to the Samaritan woman at the well starts with out of our way. Tell your neighbor, out of your way. Witnessing is not convenient. Witnessing does not fit into your schedule. It does not, it does not line up with your plans. It is inconvenient and it is messy, and it calls you to go where you would normally not go. In verse 3, it says he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. Normally, when Jews would go from Judea to Galilee, they would walk, or they'd cross the Jordan and, and go around Samaria because they, they didn't interact with the Samaritans. In fact, they deemed the Samaritans unclean. For a second, take off the Christian mask and think honestly to yourself because Jesus sees your heart. We probably have a group of people in mind that we think are unclean, that we would most likely avoid normally. Jesus, it says that he had, so he says in verse four that he had to pass through Samaria. Had to is because of his mission, not because of geographical layouts because normally and I imagine that his disciples questioned this because he would have gone around but when we are called by God we don't go where we're comfortable we go where we're called amen we sing that often like God lead me and then God tries to lead us somewhere and we're like no lead me somewhere else God like I, I know another route and we don't get to reroute God amen and we can't be effective, uh, effective in our witnessing if we're only going where we're comfortable to go. Too often we're only comfortable being around people that look like us, talk like us, and think like us. But they're not the people that need to hear about Jesus. Because they're the ones sitting next to us in church. Jesus didn't go the route they normally go because he wanted to go on mission to meet someone who needed to hear about him. Jesus is calling each and every one of us to go to people that are messy, that we could deem unclean so that we can witness the good news of Jesus. We can testify about what he's done in our life. We can share his saving grace, which is truly amazing. But you can't do that if you preach into the choir, Amen. I pray that I'm preaching to the choir right now. Y'all like, we always go out of our way. Witnessing starts with going out of our way. But God, I had plans. Nope, I have a plan. But God, I gotta be here on time. It's my timing. 
When we submit our lives to Christ, he does not just call us to sit in a pew. He calls us to get out into the street and do what he did. We have the perfect high priest who wrapped himself in flesh as the hypostatic union came down on earth as 100% man, 100% God, to not just say he loves us, but to display his love for us. To walk through temptation that he would understand the struggles that we face on an intimate level, but to leave us an example of how we're called to live and operate in him. And Jesus found himself in the midst of people who we would deem unclean. We cannot run from what we don't understand or from what we're unfamiliar with. We must run towards the calling that God has over our lives. We must be willing to allow our schedule to always fall secondary to the plan that God has for that day. That may mean that you don't show up for that lunch date because you ended up having lunch with someone sitting on the side of the road. That may mean that God calls you to that person at work that you don't like. They're annoying, amen? You be honest in church. I just don't care for their, I love them, Lord, but I don't like them. Stop that. You can't love somebody and not like them. Because if you don't like them, you're thinking about all the reasons why you don't like them. And 1 Corinthians 13 says that we don't keep any record of wrong. That's what love does. That means that love covers a multitude of their sins. And you're like, Lord, they got a multitude too. Maybe going out of your way isn't taking a left instead of a right. It's just sitting next to somebody that you've been trying to avoid. Maybe God's allowed them to annoy you. I'm going to be real. You ready for this? Maybe God's been, been allowing them to annoy you just so they get your attention so he can use you to witness to them. Because if they weren't annoying, you wouldn't have paid attention to them. My kids understand this very well. The first step of witnessing is being willing to go out of your way. Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman at a well. He knew she was going to be there. He didn't have to pass through there. He's God wrapped in flesh. But he was called on mission. Tell your neighbor you've been called. You've been commissioned. Let's go. The second out of witnessing is out of relationship. This is where those dents in your Bible get called into correction. Jesus, when he began to talk to this woman, he didn't immediately say, I am God. You are a sinner and unclean. I don't know why he went like cavemen on her, but it's okay. We don't know what he talked like. Come on. He asked her for a drink of water. He knew everything about her before he even asked for that drink of water. In fact, he knew she would be there. And he could tell a lot about her being there on the sixth hour noon because you don't go get water in the sixth hour. It's hot. And it's a long walk. She was there to avoid people. But he knew she was going to be there. That's why he was there. But he didn't immediately jump into this, to this, well, you know you're a sinner, don't you? You know that you're unrighteous. You know that you, know that you need Jesus. You know, da, 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 da. He said, let me get some water. I'm thirsty. If we're going to witness effectively, we build relationships with people. I don't know about you, but like I already shared, Jesus met me right where I was at. 
not in church, but in my sin. He came to me in my sin. He was with me when I was covered in dirt. When we encounter people who are not in Christ, we don't start by jumping into the deep end. We start by building a relationship with them. We see this with Christ and his disciples. He took time with them. He built with them. He developed with them. He sowed into them. He corrected and encouraged them along the way, but he took time to build a relationship. And through that relationship, transformation took place. Well, I pray for them every day. Yeah, but do you talk to them? I mean, I, I text them a scripture, but do you ask them how they're doing? We have to build relationships with those that we desire to witness to. Because it's from those places of relationship that we have credibility in their life to begin to speak the truth of God. We cannot be so committed right off the bat just to tell them how bad of a person they are. Listen, most people already know that they're not good people. Amen. I know I'm not a good person. I need Jesus. Amen. I don't need to be reminded of that. Like Holy Spirit does a good enough job on his own. But when someone authentically takes time to get to know you, to embrace you, to meet you right where you're at, they're doing what Jesus displayed in Scripture. It's not enough to, 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 to just pray from a distance. And sometimes Christians, if I'm going to be real, sometimes we use prayer as a barrier. Well, I'm praying for them. Yeah, but James chapter 2 says that's not enough. I'm praying, but prayers are powerful. Amen, they are. I got any products of prayer in here? Like you have people praying for you when you're in your mess, and that's probably the only reason you're still alive today, amen? But prayer's not enough. You can't, you can't use prayer as a scapegoat to not live it out. We have to pray for them and pray for ourselves to have strength, and then we gotta go sit down with them and get to know them. Take them out to coffee even though they're not living right. Not be offended by their sin because who are we to be offended by what we participate in as well? Because Jesus loves us enough and he's the only one who can truly be offended with any kind of grounds without it being pretentious. And he still meets us where we're at. So when we take that time to let that guard down and begin to get to know them, learn, learn their name, their birth date, learn about them, we begin to see past just the symptoms of their sin into the root of what's taking place. A lot of my sin in my life took place because of root level issues, and it was just a, the sin was just a product, was just a symptom of those roots. Amen? Like that person that, that maybe live in that ungodly life, maybe it's because they never, they never had parents. They didn't experience real love. They don't, they don't know what forgiveness and compassion is like. They don't understand what we take for granted in Christ. And you don't get there until you get to know them. Her convers the conversation went from bring me water, I want something to drink, to go get your husband. She's like, I don't have, I don't have a husband. He said, right you are. You have five. The dude you're shacking up with right now is not even your husband. He already knew the sin, but he went from this place of credibility by building this relationship into diving into her life and learning about her. Jesus could do it as God. He already knew. How many of y'all know that you're not God? So stop judging like God. Stop it. No. We have to talk to people. 
meet people where they're at. We can't be so offended by their sin that we don't display the love of Christ, amen? I'm gonna say that again. Don't be so offended by people's sin that it stops you from displaying the love of Jesus to them. Because Jesus wasn't so offended by your sin that he didn't display his love. In fact, Jesus saw our, our sin, yet while we were still sinners, he displayed that love by sending Christ, himself wrapped in flesh, to die for us and then to rise again. So our sin in the eyes of God was motivation for him to display his love. The sin of the people around us should be motivation for us to display the love of Christ to them. So we have to go out of our way. Say, out of our way. Say, out of relationship. Look at your neighbor say, hi, it's nice to meet you. You were one step closer to being able to witness, amen? The last one. This is the big one. This is where oftentimes we can mess it up. Jesus witnessed to the Samaritan woman out of love. I say we mess it up because God doesn't just look at our actions. He, he's able to see the hidden motives of our heart. That means that you can do a whole lot of good, but if your heart's not right, it's not a, a mountain to much before God, amen? People around you may be like, oh, that person is amazing, but God's looking at you and be like, no, that person's broken. When Jesus began to reveal this woman's life, this woman's sin, he didn't do so in a condemning manner. He didn't do so in a, in a, way, of, a way of judgment per se. He did so to reveal himself to her, to love her where she was at, to show her that I am he who you're talking about, I know everything about you, and I'm standing here right now because of you. The love of Christ is what saves us. The love of Christ is why God sent Jesus to pay for our sins, appropriation for our sins, that we would not have, to, not have to die and be eternally separated from him due to our sin, but that his blood would be shed to cover the cost because the wages of sin is death. And God loved us so much that he didn't want us eternally separated from him. He wanted us reconciled to him. And that was a motivation fueled by his love. A love that's unconditional. A love that's not tied to whether or not we respond because God loves you even while you reject him. You can do nothing to earn God's love. You can do nothing to, to you can't do anything to get more love or to get less love. God loves, tell your neighbor Jesus loves you. Maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning. Even if your so-and-so doesn't like you, Jesus loves you, amen? And that love of Christ is what begins to, is what begins to transform us because like I said, his love meets us where we're at, but it doesn't leave us where we're at. Picket signs don't save souls, amen? When we come in and we're, we're, we're guns blazing with scripture, these are the 10 commandments, you are a sinner, 
duh. The world knows that it's broken. Amen. It's not just Christians. We all know that we're broken and we're in desperate need of something. And too often we try to fill it with things of the world, relationships, possessions, and titles and statuses, thinking that that's going to give us what we need until we reach this breaking point where we recognize that nothing that the world has to offer could ever satisfy that hole, that void inside of us. The world knows that it's broken. What it needs is not the condemnation, but the love of Jesus. Because the love begins to, man, it does it all. It's a beautiful thing. I came to Christ knowing that I was a wretched sinner and my Righteousness was like filthy rags, but I came to Christ because I needed something inside of me fixed. I knew that I wasn't right, that something was off. I knew that I needed something more than all the things in the world that I chased. What satisfied me was not just going to church. We have to go to church. We're called to go to church. What satisfied my soul was the relationship and the intimacy that I was able to step into because of the love of Jesus. Yeah, but I got to let this person know that they're sinning in all these ways. You're not going to change anybody. And we don't want their outward actions just to change without it being an internal thing first. If you tell someone you shouldn't curse, amen, you shouldn't tell you never stop cursing. Even when you hit your thumb with a hammer. But you don't want to just stop cursing. You want your heart to change that kind of language. You don't want to just stop chasing every relationship with promiscuity. You want to find a relationship with Jesus that makes you no longer long for what another person has to offer. You don't want to just stop chasing title, position, and possessions. You want to be content from the inside out in Christ, as Paul said, he knows what it's like to have a lot and what it's like to have a little, and in all things he can be content. Why? Because of what was taking place inside of him. I'm gonna let you know, the world has ups and downs, even in Christ. The only thing that changes is what's going on inside of you. And when that changes, everything changes. Jesus begins to point out her struggles, her sin, not out of condemnation, but out of, recon, but out of reconciliation. He was recognizing her right where she was at and testifying of who he was, that she would know that even in that brokenness, she's loved. Maybe that person who just keeps on going, going worse and worse. You got any people like that in your life? You're like, you know they're just headed in their own direction. I got, I got family I know is headed in their own direction, amen? My rules albeit maybe based in Scripture, my rules alone won't change them. That's what happened with the, with the law of the Old Testament. The law only operated to point out sin. It became a curse. And it was only through the New Testament that we had this alleviation of salvation through, uh, through the grace of God and faith in Jesus Christ that we were able to step on the right side. People know what they're doing is wrong, but they don't know how to get it right. Paul said it even in Christ, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. I delight in the command of God, but it's obvious that not all of me shares in that delight. Anyone been there? Amen. This morning? No. 
We are no, the people that are around us that we're called to witness to, they know that the way they're living isn't the way they're supposed to be living. It's written, it's inscribed on our hearts. Even before we have salvation, we have a conscience. We have this instinct of right and wrong. And but our nature, our fallen nature, is drawn to the wrong, amen? I have four kids. I don't need to teach them how to be bad. But they're sitting so quietly right now. What we need is the solution. What's the solution? Now say it louder. What's the solution? Say it like you want the, you want, you, you, man, we want, where we got, we got neighbors across the street. Say it like you want them to hear. What's the solution? That's the solution. And scripture says that when someone comes to Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So our judgment that we cast on people, we must be careful with. When we see that person, oh, pff, I would never be in their shoes. You better be careful what you say you'd never do. Sometimes you walk in the judgment that you cast on others. Oh, pff, they, 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 they beg it on the street corner. Oh, they, they're prostitute. No, they're addicted to drugs. You don't know where your life could be if it wasn't for Jesus. I'm going to lock my doors. You better unlock them and get out of that car and go talk to them. Christ calls us to the broken, to the sick, because he didn't come for the healthy. And the reality is none of us are healthy. We're just really good at faking it, amen? But we're not going to fake it here at T-Church, are we? We're going to be honest. We, we are broken messes that need Jesus, amen? So he spoke to her out of love, and through that love, she recognized that she was standing before the Messiah, we're talking about a woman that had, to, that had to go get water during the day, midday, when no one else would be out because it was, she didn't want to have to be around them in their judgmental eyes. How, how sad is that? How many people are afraid to go to church because they feel like they're going to be judged when they walk in? I know that's not here, amen, but that's a reality, isn't it? Oh, you're a Christian. You're not going to like. No, we need to begin to be Christians that show and witness the love of Jesus because we go out of our way to meet people where they're at. We talk to them out of relationship, not out of judgment. And we witness to them out of the love of Christ, not our own, not, not our own perceptions, not our own connotations. We, we just, we extend the same love that Jesus showed us. How many of y'all were loved by Christ before you had your life right? Even if you don't have your life right, you're still loved by Jesus right where you're at. And that's the love that we're called to display to those around us. So we witness in the same way that Christ did, out of, out of our way, out of relationship, and out of love. And what does it produce? She runs back to the town saying, the Messiah is here, and he knows everything I've done. Revelations 12, 11, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Condemnation and shame cause us to 
cause us to hide our testimony. The love of Jesus causes us to use our testimony through a loudspeaker so the whole world can hear how much of a mess we were and that Jesus still loves us, amen? So when we witness out of love, we empower people to use their testimony as a tool to attack back against the enemy. Genesis 50, what they meant as evil, God used for good so that at this time people would be saved. I want my testimony to result and salvations, amen? But it can't result in salvations unless I allow Jesus to use me to share it. You have been called to witness to the lost, not to avoid them. You have been commissioned with a ministry of reconciliation that is uncomfortable, it's dirty, it's messy, it's unclean, it's difficult but it's life-changing. The greatest thing that we can do is see someone come into a relationship authentically with Jesus. And it's not just reciting a prayer. It's a relationship. After I got saved, I was still a mess. I needed help. I needed brothers and sisters in Christ around me who would deal with me in all of my transition. I'll say it like that. Who are willing to get, you know, get, get get elbow close to me as I try to figure it out, to teach me and guide me. As people come to Christ, they need people like you. Look around. They need this group right here to authentically go out of their way to build a relationship with them, to bring them in, disciple them, to encourage and correct them. Because the commission is not just to evangelize the gospel, it's to disciple the believers. That doesn't take place with a distant prayer. It takes place with an inconvenient relationship that you learn to love. How many of y'all want to see people in your life come to Christ? How many of y'all want to see people in your community that you don't even know get saved? How many of y'all would love to see just an amazing revival take place all throughout Chesterfield County, Chester and Richmond, Petersburg, Colonial Heights? You just want to see the move of God because you know if he can do it for you, there's no one that he can't touch, amen? I want to see God move, but that means that we have to get out the way. We have to go out of our way. We have to build relationships, and we have to share the love of Jesus with absolutely everyone that we encounter. So my prayer today is that person that's been annoying you, that you've been trying to avoid, they've been doing so. God's allowed it to happen so that they will be on your radar, so that he will be able, you will be able to recognize them because he's placed them in your life for you to reach out to, for you to witness to, for you to build a relationship with and for you to love. Because if they didn't annoy you, you wouldn't recognize them. Amen? That thorn in your side, his grace is sufficient. He's calling you. He's asking you. The only question is, will you answer? Father God, we praise you. God, we love you. God, we ask that this morning we would, God, we would indeed be activated, Father. That, God, that we would go from, 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 just, from just talking about you, talking to you. God, we would go to living like you, witnessing like you reaching out like you. God, remind us this morning of where we were. Maybe some of us, that was a long time ago. It's easy to forget. We don't want to remember the bad stuff. God, I pray that you would remind us of the bad stuff. 
God, not in condemnation, but in motivation. Remind us that if you can save us, there's no one that is, with, that is beyond your reach. Remind us of the sin that we were in, not in shame or in guilt. God, but, God, but in passion. God, in love. That we would we remember, Father. Remember that Romans 5, 8, God. Yet while we were still useless, yet while we were still sinners, God, remember that yet moment in our life that while we were outside of your presence, you chased us down, Lord. You went into the dirt and the grime that we were playing in, Father, the trash that we lived around. You reached down into the grave that we were buried in due to the, due to the death of, that we lived in because of our transgressions. Remind us of that tomb. Not that we would get sad. Not that we would feel condemned. But God, that we would become your hands and feet. To not just go to church and work on our own relationship, but to be the church. To go out into a community of darkness and bring the light of Jesus. God, remind us so that we may become passionate and on fire to share your good news with everyone with an ear to hear. God, I pray that we would become obnoxiously joyful, Father. That we can go into the worst places, God. And God, those places may not be deemed by neighborhoods or communities. It may be workplaces and schools, God. It may be family gatherings, God. I don't know where you're calling your people, but I know that you're calling them, Father, to become your hands and feet regents for Jesus until he returns. That we would deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those that would believe. God, I pray right now for salvations to take place. God, for people to be resurrected alongside you after being crucified with you, God, that we would see new life, God. And God, that your people would become an army risen up, great and vast. God, God, we just praise you this morning. God, we pray that our life of being the church would be passed down to our children that are filling this room, God. That they would learn that being a Christian is more than sitting in a building. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus. So God, I pray this morning that you would lead God and direct us. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.